God bless you all. Welcome to Four Corners. Why don't you take just a second to greet each other? Say hello, maybe even a little Merry Christmas. Where's Pastor Joel's roadies here? Huh? Where are the guys wearing black? Come and take this guitar from him. Man's got to preach. We've got just a couple of announcements. Make sure that you hear these, okay? I'm keeping it simple this time. No church on Christmas, church on New Year's. Say it with me, one, two, three. No church on Christmas, church on New Year's, all right? Now, we're also having a wonderful Christmas Eve service starting 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. 5 p.m. Christmas Eve then no church on Christmas, church on New Year's. That said, uh, December 18th, you have seen the little cuties in their pajamas up here if you're a couple weeks ago, so just imagine rooms, a church full of kids in their PJs. Make sure you dress your kids in their PJs if they're fifth grade or under uh, in order that they can take part in the pajama, jing the jingle jammy jam. There it is, the jingle jammy jam on December 18th, all right? December 18th, that's next week, uh, Jingle Jammy Jam during service for the kids. All right. You ready, Joel? Sure. Awesome. All right. All right. I, um, I want to dig into the uh, scripture this morning uh, pretty quickly. got a, a lengthy passage of scripture uh, from Isaiah. We're in a series on Advent, and um, uh, the, the meaning, the idea, the understanding of Advent just is pretty simple. But it just has to do with uh, a longing, an expectation, a waiting for the ultimate fulfillment. So before we dig into scripture this morning, would you bow your heads with us? Let's pray. Father, this morning, before we take another step, we want to make sure, God, that we have uh, settled, in our, uh, settled into our seats, God, settled into our place, settled our hearts, our minds, God, our souls, and settled into what you want to say. Lord, I pray that, God, as you are glorified this morning that you would in turn or change us and make us more like you. God, I pray that your scripture, your word would come alive in our hearts. God, that it would uh, not return void, but instead, God, plant a deep truth of the core characteristic of who you are, and that is joy, real, true joy. Amen. Our passage of scripture this morning is Isaiah 61. Beginning in verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. I just want to make sure I'm reading what's on the screen. Is that the same translation? It is? Okay, good. All right. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide all for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Everybody say joy. joy. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. 
You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, for everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. They are very blessed next to us. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Verse 11, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, everybody take a deep breath. That's a long passage of scripture, but it is core to who God is. That was written like 750 years before Jesus came, and it was showing who Jesus really is, who God really is, and how he is going to make himself known to his people. The, the older I get, the more uh, serious I get about Christmas. Boy, I, I, get, I, get, I get pretty serious about Christmas. I, I, don't, I don't know if you know this. There's a lot of schools now have um, uh, banned Christmas songs from even being sung uh, in, in, as long. They can sing them as long as it uh, has something to do with jingle and bells or uh, maybe uh, like red noses or something like that. Um, so instead, we're left to sing songs about, you know, uh, chestnuts on fire and, and, and red noses and rocking around the Christmas tree. And, and, uh, but, but my question really is, in, in, in light of the need of the world, why is it that in culture today that we see, we experience, that we're, we're trying to push all the solutions out as if, we, if, as if, if, if we bring Christ in that we're going to unleash conflict. And so the um, question is, should we be taking Christmas seriously or should we be singing about the weather? And that's that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's kind of where we're at. That's kind of the question that we're at. And Christians, a lot of Christians care about this time of year because we think that our world is actually groaning, that it's actually aching and crying out for somebody to fix it. Somebody to fix it. That's, that's why Christians are here and we celebrate Christmas. The reason we get so frustrated by the, by the secular responses to Christmas, the, the shallow songs, the predictable movies. I don't mean to bash all the predictable movies. I just am say, I'm saying some of the time that we get frustrated is because the songs and the billboards and the messaging and the commercials, all these things are so weak and inadequate to the pain of our world and we believe that the gospel is actually good news. Like it really is good news. And so Christmas is God's stubborn reminder that he hasn't given up on the world. It's a stubborn reminder. God's not given up on you and he's not given up on the world. And if we're not careful, we'll take all the messages and that, that, we're, that we're in and the experiences that we have and the culture that we're swimming in all the time. And we'll be like, <laughs> if he hasn't given up on the world, he's about to. I'm just telling you, he's not about to. Christmas is a stubborn reminder. God's not, he's not giving up on the world because he hadn't given up on you. 
the um, passage of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, we get the message of Christmas. We get the message of Christmas. So every year, here we are, we celebrate God's insistence into the world's culture. But it comes from this right here, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Just lowly shepherds. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Not to kings, not the emperors, not the rulers, to the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. All right, here's the message of the kingdom to the people of God 2,000 years ago. A host of angels shows up. It starts off as one, but in a minute you'll see it turns into like a million of them. And here's his message. You're doomed. You might as well forget it. It's not his message. I bring you good news of great joy for who? All people. This is the message. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Here's the story. God is pushing himself into the world's culture saying, here I am. And the characteristics that we see are just the ones that we've been talking about. Hope, peace, and this morning, joy. So, so joy, the word joy is everywhere. We see joy all over the, all over the place. It's, on the, it's, it's, in, it's in the commercials. It's on billboards. It's scrolling through. It's the season of joy. We see it in more in you know, 30 days li- leading, up to, leading up to Christmas, really, than almost any other time in our lives. And so uh, we ask the question, so what, what is joy? Why is, why is it even important? So a couple of things. Uh, first one is Christ- Christianity is a joyful faith. No matter what you've seen or what you've been taught, or what, maybe what has been, what, what maybe you've experienced, the Christian faith is, at its core, a joyful faith. Look at this, John 15. Here's the Gospel of John. This is Jesus talking. And he says this right here. He says, I've told you these things for a purpose. What is the purpose? That my joy might be your joy, and your joy wholly mature. What does a mature joy look like? I, I have a suspicion that a mature joy doesn't look like this. I'm so joyful right now. I've got the joy, joy down in my heart. <laughs> what does holy mature joy look like? All I know is this, is that if you continue on the pathway toward Jesus, just, just if you have... If you've taken that trip, if you've received Christ, if you've allowed him to take all the sin, all the brokenness, all that stuff, and you've started down that journey of maturity in Christ, I can guarantee you this. You have yet to mine out the fullness of joy that is available to you through Christ. And so that, that is the journey. The Christian faith actually at its core is a, is a joyful faith. We sing more about song, we sing more songs about joy uh, during Christmas, really, than, than any other holiday. Uh, holiday. Joy is a major theme all throughout Scripture. It's a, it's a celebration during Christmas. It's not a funeral. That's why we don't say scary Christmas. We say Merry Christmas. All right? It's a joyful thing. It's a joyful time. So what comes to mind for you when we say joy? What, what comes to mind when you think about it? it it's, it's actually a lot more than an emotion. It is an emotion. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. There's, there's a difference between happiness 
and joy. Happiness depends on happenings, what happens to you. Happy, your happiness depends on the happenings around you, but joy is a, is a focus. It's an internal character. That's why we can be joyful even in grief. You be joyful even in grief. I don't mean that you sit there and you're laughing. You're like, ha, 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 look at this tragedy. I don't mean that. I mean, it's an, inter- it's an internal character that comes from the knowledge of who God is and the ultimate reality of what we're living in. It's, a, it's, it's, it's different. Joy is internal. It's not external. Happiness doesn't last. It's temporary, it's temporary. But joy is eternal. And so that Isaiah passage that we read earlier, it is uh, it's the fifth recorded song of the servant, all right? So if you've, if you've gotten into Isaiah, there's, a, there's um, five songs that, uh, that uh, uh, go through in the middle to the end of the text there. And this is the fifth one, and it's a prophetic picture of Christ. It's a prophetic picture of who Jesus is. And so we're introduced to the one that's called servant. And everybody is asking who the servant is and, and what is he going to do and, and what is he going to look like and how does the, how's the servant supposed to act and how is he supposed to respond. And Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus gets here, writes out a job description. He says, this is, this is what this servant is going to do. And so this morning, real quick, I just want to walk through three characteristics of a joyful Christmas. Three characteristics of a joy, joyful Christmas. I want to encourage you because it has very little to do with the circumstances that you're in. Because it all comes from who God is. In fact, that's a lot of what this series is. The series here has been an attempt to try to get us to grasp who it is really that we're talking about and where all of that comes from, not from within ourselves. How many of you guys have ever tried to work up and conjure up hope or peace or joy on your own, like just within yourself? You're like, "Ah, okay, today's the day. I'm going to be so peaceful. I'm just going to walk in peace. It's going to be peace, peace, peace. Has nothing to do with the Lord. Has nothing to do with your faith. Has nothing to do with anybody else around you. You're just going to you're just going to make it happen within you. You may have ever tried that before. It might work for thirty seconds. It just doesn't last. It may work for a little while. It just doesn't last. And so the message this morning is on the core of who God is and where we even get this idea of Christmas from. So three characteristics of a joyful Christmas. We're about to have a cheer competition between the room beside us. So you guys go ahead and get ready because I'm about to make y'all cheer. Look, I grew up, when I, I cut my teeth in ministry on doing children's ministry, and we used to do competitions. Of, I'd try to get the kids as loud as I could to make all the adults hear them. That was the game. And I don't know if what Nikki's trying to pull over here, that's what she's doing, but we can play too. So, all right, three characteristics of a joyful Christmas. First one is this, serious joy. This is, this is good news. This is good news. Isaiah 61, we're going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We read it earlier. Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. Why? For he's clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness, Listen to this, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So the year of the Lord's favor, what is the year of the Lord's favor? The the mission of Jesus, why he came, is a mission of joy. In fact, the word there is jubilee. Everybody say jubilee. 
It's a, it's a mission of jubilee. In Israel, there was this idea that ultimately there would be no permanent slavery. There would be no permanent poverty. But instead, they were to be distinct. They were, Israel was to be distinct more so from than all the other countries. They were to be unique. They were to be distinct. And so uh, uh, they, they, they um, uh, were taught, understood, believed in this thing called the, the year of jubilee. And so they believed that the land belonged to God. They were just to be the, the stewards. And so every seven, year, uh, every seven years, there was a, a, to be a time of rest. And so they wouldn't um, plant in the ground. They were going to let the, the land lay uh, fallow and, and, and not plant and give it time to rest. Um, every seven years, but every 50 years, they were to take the whole year off, the entire year, not just planting, but the whole year. Anybody, anybody think that sounds like a good idea? I could say, you know what, 2023, I think that's, yeah. They'd take the whole year off, cancel all debts, release all workers. The year of Jubilee, they were going to return all the land to the original homeowner, so no, so, so wh whatever happened during the 50 years, whatever trouble people got into, whatever hardships, whatever trials, whatever poor decisions, what happened was everything was going to return to the way it was supposed to be. A year off, canceled debts, no haves and have-nots, just stewards of God's kindness. That's what it's supposed to be. It's a, it was a justice reset. How many of y'all think we need a justice reset? We need a justice reset. The only problem is this. The only problem is this. They never actually did this. They never, they never practiced it. We don't have any, any there, there's, there's, we don't really have any proof or, or that we can see that every 50 years they practice the year of Jubilee. It just, it never happened. And so this is actually the passage of scripture in Isaiah that Jesus read when he was in the temple. So he walks into the temple and he opens up Isaiah and he opens it up and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me and this is what I'm going to do. And then he reads those verses. I'm going to release the captives, release the prisoners, oil of joy. We're going to make this trade offering. I'm going to trade the, this, this heavy mourning, this sadness. Instead, I'm going to pour out an oil of joy. This is the passage of Scripture that Jesus read. His ministry was framed by joy. The culture was framed by joy. It was to be permanent jubilee. The year of jubilee now, for those who follow Jesus, were, was to be his kingdom a permanent jubilee. And so we, we see that his promise was to bind up brokenhearted. It was to proclaim freedom for the captive. It was to release um, from darkness the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what kind of ministry does he have? What kind of ministry does Jesus have? We can follow what Jesus wants to do with this year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee, the lifetime of Jubilee. We can follow it and we can see where he takes this. Now, he can't go up to the throne. He can't go up to the throne and stand up in front of the emperor and say, okay, now I'm in charge. All right? He didn't, he didn't even try to do that. In fact, his disciples thought he was going to do that, that he was going to go to the throne, and then he was going to say, all right, Nero, here's the deal. <clears throat> I'm in charge now. But he didn't. Instead, he took the reality of what he knew God had brought, the good news of the kingdom. This is good news. 
and you can experience it today. And he brought it. So wh- where, did he, where did he go with it? What did he do? Jesus loves the outcast. We can see it. That's who he goes up to in his ministry. He, he, he loves even those, all those that are outcasts. He loves those that are caught up in, in sexual sin. We can see it with the woman at the well. What does he, what does he offer? He says, she says, just, just give me some of that water. And he said, if you only knew who it was that was sitting in front of you and what it is that I could give you, you'd ask me for living water and I'd give it to you. She says, give me living water. Give it to me. I want it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And he changes her life. And then she runs and tells the whole town. And it changes the life of the town and the trajectory of the entire city and of her history, of her family history after that. Who, who is it that Jesus is ministering to? He, he loves uh, the woman caught in adultery. She receives a new start and a new life. He has this um, uh, love for tax collectors. He went to parties. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He just... This was, the, this was the ministry of Jesus. He came to announce good news. So this morning, if your heart is broken, if you're in bondage, if you need to be set free, this is the message of Christmas. It's the message of Jesus. It is serious joy. Serious joy. Not the happiness that depends on the happenings. Whether, whether in a week or two and you find out if you did or did not get that raise, or in a week or two when you find out whether you did or did not get that good medical report, or in a week or two when you find out whatever those circumstances are, the message of Christmas is the message of Jesus. He is, he is serious about joy. He's serious about joy. The second one is this, serious restoration. Serious restoration that brings great joy. Isaiah 61, verse 4, they will rebuild, everybody say rebuild, the ancient ruins. They will restore, say restore, the places long devastated, and they will renew, say renew, the ruined cities and have been, that have been devastated for generations. These people in Isaiah have been transformed that, that he's talking about. They've been given a mission. And we have this incredible privilege of being involved in Jesus' mission. As his followers, we get, to, we get to be a part. What is, what is Jesus' mission? We just read it. To rebuild, renew, and restore. What's his mission? Rebuild, renew, and restore. People, have been trans, people who have been transformed by Christ have been given a mission. They're breaking the cycle of dysfunction and brokenness, starting in you and then flowing out of you, into your family, into those around you, and into the city. Christians are to ask, where are those areas, where are those broken places that need life? Because I've got serious joy, and we're talking about serious restoration. There's an article that came out uh, a while back, talked about the author's uh, love of jazz music. And so he talks about, um, tells a story about going to this uh, uh, jazz part, uh, jazz part of town in New York, and um, he sees this band, and they're, they're decent. Um, the, the, most of the band is decent, but he looks over and he notices the, the, the guy on the, just playing the trumpet. Uh, he's looking homely and disheveled and, and uh, kind of sticking out a little bit. Um, but he's amazing. He's playing amazing. And then he looks closer and he notices that the, that, that the guy that's playing the, the trumpet is this um, famous trumpeteer named Winton, Winton Marsalis, famous uh, jazz trumpeter. Did I say trumpeteer? 
trumpeter, trumpeteer, it's one of those. Stay off your phone. All right. <clears throat> so he, uh, he notices it's this, it's this uh, famous jazz musician, and uh, he just he, he can't believe it, and so they're playing, and he's like, this is amazing. The band's okay, but the, the trumpeteer is uh, just, he's going to town. And all of a sudden, there's this crowd that's around. This guy's cell phone goes off, and you're like, oh, he's that guy, that guy with the cell phone that goes off. Come here, I want to check your cell phone. Oh, the cell phone goes off. And then he answers it, and it just it just it ruins the whole the whole song right where they're at. It's kind of just kind of trails off, and he answers like, "Hello." He starts to talk. Well, in the middle of it, uh, the the guy that's playing the trumpet, the famous trumpeter, is playing the playing this uh, stops playing the song, and he starts to play the last note of the ringer, the song that was on the cell phone ringer, and he just starts off playing that note. And then he kind of carries over into that song, plays the song, changes keys, makes his way back into the original song they were playing. The band cranks back up. Everybody cheers. It was the most amazing moment that anybody had ever experienced. It was so cool. So the author is talking about this story. Here, here's the picture that I want you to get. What is the mission of those that are following Christ? It's what, exactly what Jesus did. He goes in. He goes into the situation. He goes into the moment. He goes into the darkness, and he redeems what's been broken. He redeems what's been, what's been uh, lost. He restores it back to the way it was supposed to be. He redeems it. He repairs it, and then he restores it. That, that is the mission. That is what Christ does. And he gives that the ministry, what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation. That's a mouthful right there. The ministry of reconciliation, he redeems it, restores it, and he gives that ministry of reconciliation to you. And he says, now this is your mission. Now go play the trumpet, find the place where the guy that answers the phone in the exact place, in the exact time that he wasn't supposed to answer it, whatever that looks like where you are, wherever, wherever that looks like in your job, where there's this, this shattered expectation, the broken rhythm, there's pain wherever it is, and Jesus looks and he says, this is, this is my mission. It's serious joy. It's serious restoration. The third one is this, serious celebration. Serious celebration. This is for all people. This good news, great joy, who's it for? Isaiah 61, verse 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he's clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Here's the picture that they have. The people are reading this passage of scripture, and it sounds like at first they have been living this life as if they are going to a funeral. They, what, what, are they, what, is, what is he taking? He's taking this sackcloth of ashes and he's trading it out. There's a, there's a transaction that's taking place. He, he, he says, look, here's the deal. You, you're not, you, you, these people think they're, they're going to a funeral, but they're going to a wedding. The messenger comes in, he says, God, God hasn't abandoned you. He wants to marry you. <laughs> this, is, this is the message. There's serious restoration. Our, our vision is what is wrong. Our understanding, our picture, and our mind is what's wrong. We're not going to a funeral. Man, I, I, 
I've been to some amazing gatherings of, of believers, sometimes church services, sometimes special services. I've been to some amazing times where I just go, this is what, this is what heaven's like. You just, the peace of God is there. The presence of the Lord is there. I've been, I've been to services like that. And I've been to other services. I've been to other gatherings. I've been to other churches where I just thought, oh, my word. I'm miserable. <laughs> and you are too, clearly. And I, I, I'm just telling you that our, our, our vision, if we're not careful, will catch on the, the disdain of culture toward those that follow Jesus. And we'll say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to always be mopey and sad and broken and murder, murder, murder. Because I'm on my way where? To a funeral. If you walked to your wedding like that, you probably didn't get married. <laughs> That's not how do you how do you how do you walk into your wedding ceremony? How do you walk into that room? How do you, what do you do? You're not going to a funeral, you're going to a wedding. So the, the picture in our mind is what's wrong. So Paul gives us, Paul even says it this way, 1 Corinthians 13, message translation says it this way. It says, We don't, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog and we're peering through a mist. That's been pretty, uh, 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 all week long, I feel like I've been looking through a mist. It is just incessant rain all week long. We're peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he sees us. Just as he sees us. I, man, man I, I've, I, um, have you ever seen, have you ever seen, um, uh, those videos, uh, I showed one, uh, actually, I showed one one time, and I didn't get a chance to do it this morning. Um, uh, the videos where they have the, it's the Encrona glasses for colorblind, uh, people that have colorblind and, and, and are colorblind, and um, it, do, it doesn't work perfectly for everybody, but it really, really works well for a lot of people. And so they have these videos of like, you know, they can't see, uh, they, they can't see, you know, reds and greens and specific colors, whatever, and then they put on these new glasses, and um, and all of a sudden, it just, it, it's so clear. And, um, and I tried to find, I wish I could go back and do it. I tried to find, there's, there's videos all over YouTube, and you can watch a couple of them, and you, you, can't, you can't watch the video of somebody that doesn't see clearly, and then all of a sudden, they see with clarity. You can't watch it, and then, and then stop watching it without just bawling your eyes out. Because it's the most, it's, it's, it's a, it's such an epiphany. It's such an epiphany. It's such a moment where they can go. I didn't. I didn't realize this is what I was missing out on. I didn't realize that this is what I couldn't see. I didn't. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know. I know y'all told me that that's what green looked like. I know you told me that that's what red. I know you told me, but I just didn't. I can't see it. And Paul's telling us on an infinitely larger level. He's saying, "Look, you and I, you just don't see it all. It's you're you're peering through a fog." You're peering through a mist, and it's going to stay like that for a little bit, but it's not going to be like that forever. There's going to be a day where all of a sudden the fog is going to lift. The mist is going to go away. The weather's going to clear up. The sun's going to shine through, and you're going to go, oh, my goodness, I remember. I remember what it was. I remember what it was like for the sun to shine. But in our case, it's going to be like I, I didn't know. I knew. I read it in the scriptures. I knew when I would talk to people, and I could tell that the spirit of the Lord was in them, and I could tell that my heart connected to their heart, and I, I knew it on a soul level. But I never, I never saw it like this. Can I just tell you something? The 
the season of Christmas is a season of serious joy. If we're not careful, it'll get diluted with messages that have nothing to do really with Christ. However, your ministry, your message is serious joy, serious reconciliation, and serious celebration. Serious celebration. The, the, the challenge is, is, is how to live in the truth while seeing the brokenness at the same time. And so we have to celebrate the truth of the joy of Jesus. And so that's who God is. That's who the message is. That, that, that's what the message is. And so how do you, what do you do with that? Do I just, do I just say, okay, I'm now, I'm now going to be happy. I'm going to be joyful. I know that's who God is, but when I walk out of this room, my circumstances are the same. Like, what do I, what do, I do with that? And so I got, a, I got a couple points. I actually use these. These are practical points of celebration and joy. I used these several months back, um, but uh, I loved them so much, I wanted to throw them in here again because um, I know y'all didn't start practicing them. So here it goes. You get another chance. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I, you probably did. So here it is. How to get serious about joy. Here's a pr couple practical points. How to get serious about joy. Remember this. Your laughter is a gift. I read it at the very beginning. Your laughter, your laughter and your joy is a gift. So the first one is this. It's just find someone. Find a joy mentor. Find a joy mentor. Now, you don't have to go up and tell them, hey, will you be my joy mentor? Now, you can if they are, if they are worthy of that title. <laughs> then, you, then they would probably be okay with it. No, you just find somebody who you see who's got the joy of the Lord in them. And if you never heard that phrase, just find somebody who you go, they look a lot like Jesus and they're really happy. All right? That's what the joy of the Lord is. And so find somebody and then just start to like kind of act like them. Like mimic them. You and I did not have a problem doing that when we were in middle school. <laughs> Our friend would come to school with a new pair of shoes and it didn't matter what brand it was because we were just looking we're like, oh, that's the cool brand now. All right, and then you, what do you do? You go out and you're like, mom, I, I, can I... I just need, what do you do? You, 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 you mimic that. So, so find a joy mentor. Find somebody who's got the joy of the Lord down in them. Find somebody who, and then just do what they do. And, and if you want to, you can take notes. Or you can even ask them. You can say, hey, you're just, I don't mean to be weird, but you're, you, you seem like you love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? And they'll be like, yeah, I really do. And if they're really like a joy mentor, they'll probably, you'll probably see their eyes kind of tear up a little bit. Yeah, I really do. And you go, how do, you, how, do I, how do I put myself in that same position? How do I get a joy mentor, get somebody who loves the Lord, and just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to remember, I'm going to recognize. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just find out what they do. All right, second one is this, go somewhere. So the first one is find somebody. The next one is go somewhere. Go somewhere that causes you to be thankful. Go somewhere that causes you to be thankful. There are places for you that right now that cause you not to be thankful. All right? And so, before you go there, go to find a place that causes you to be thankful. Maybe for you, it's outside. Maybe it's one of these land trust trails that's around here. Maybe it's uh, nature. Maybe it's uh, you got a fireplace at your house, and you're like, oh, I just I, I love a fire. And when it's at night, late at night, I'll make a fire in the fireplace, and I'll just sit there with my hot chocolate, and I'll just pretend like I'm in a Hallmark movie, and I'll just be like, I'm so thankful. You know what? Do, put yourself in that position. Get there in that space whatever that is, and then, and then list out things, what they are. 
So find somebody and then go somewhere. Find where that is. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a farm somewhere. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your house. Maybe it's somewhere else. It's a, maybe it's a trail. Uh, maybe for you it's just getting up early in the morning before anybody else has gotten up. And you're like, I can't do this. I can't do this every day. You know, maybe you're a new mom and you're like, I can't. I'm already, my Lord, I, I just need a nap. All right. <laughs> find a space and just say, I, I'm, I, need, I need 20 minutes. And I'm going to play some some soft worship music in the background, and I'm just going to say, what, where that place is, find somebody, go somewhere. The third one is this, do something. Find somebody that's a joy mentor. Go somewhere that causes joy. The third one is do something, make a list. So take, take, a, t- take some time, take 30 minutes, take an hour, make a list of, uh, you know, what you're, what you're thankful for. <laughs> they are so thankful this morning. <laughs> Make a list. This is, this is the background music. Don't even worry about playing any soft music right now. We're just going to, this is your background altar music this morning right here. This is, you need this in your heart. I do too. All right. We're just going to we, keep it going. Here's the deal. Find somebody, go somewhere, and do something. Make a list. You've probably heard this a thousand times in your life about making a list of things I'm going to be thankful for. Maybe you've made a list. Good. Make another one. Get out your phone. Put it on the notes app. Just be like, well, I don't ever carry around pen and paper. Well, forget pen and paper. You, you know, write it down. Text yourself. All right? You text. You and I, we, we text all, all, so much already. Just get a text and send it to yourself and be like, I'm going to make a list of things I'm thankful for. And I'm going to text myself. All right? And you make a list. We spend, we spend plenty of time on other things. It will cultivate joy. It, it, it will cultivate. These are... Um, these are the fundamentals. These are the fundamentals of joy. If you've walked with the Lord for a long time, you can go, ah, I'm, I'm past that. But if you know anything about sports, you never graduate past the fundamentals. The same with faith. In fact, you don't, you don't, you don't rise above the fundamentals. You just go deeper and deeper into them. Third, the fourth one is this. Y'all going to like this one. Find somebody. Go somewhere, do something. And the fourth one is throw a party. Throw a party. Throw a party. Have a life marked by praise, marked by laughter. Come up with a reason. Come up with it. I did this list uh, this summer, and I was like, make up a reason. It was a summer. I was like, make up a reason to have a party. You have a reason, all right? You have a reason. You can, look, you can come up with a reason. And it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be just all over the place. I'm just telling you. Come up with a reason, get some people together, and say, we're just going to have a party. Why? If you want to tell them, you want to branch out and tell them why, risk it, you can. You can tell them, be like, here's why. I just want to celebrate the joy of the Lord in my life. You could do that. Or if you can be like, you're kind of working on them a little bit, and you're like, I don't know if they're prepared to hear that weirdness from me. <laughs> you just be like, oh, I just, I'm just such, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful. The truth is, is that you want to cultivate the joy of the Lord in you. And you're going, you know what? I need a reason to party. I need a reason to celebrate. I need a, I need a reason to sing. There you are. The Lord takes joy seriously. He's serious about it. So much so that he sent his son to die on a cross so that we can be redeemed, renewed, and restored 
to the original purpose that w- which he wanted, which to be full of joy, hope, peace, and love. It's the core overflow of who God is. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you just close your eyes? Your native disposition, your native posture that God has intended for you since you were a baby is the same that you're hearing across the wall in the other room. That's what they're, that's what they're feeling. That's what they're experiencing. Some of you in here have had so many weights added on top. You don't, you have a hard time remembering what that levity, what that freedom feels like. You have a hard time remembering. There was a time it was there. That comes from the Lord. That's a, that's a gift from God. And so if it's you this morning, the message to you from, from God this morning is that he can restore joy. And so if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. There's nobody looking around. It's just me as a confession. Your prayer is this, Joel, would you just pray that the Lord would remind me before I even knew who the Lord was when I was little bitty, there was a joy in my heart. Would you pray that the Lord would remind me of what that is and restore that back into my heart? If that's your prayer this morning, now there's some people in here, I know it is a heavy moment for you right now. I I feel that deep in my heart. The Lord wants to restore your joy this morning. If that's you, just as a confession, would you just raise your hand real high? Let me pull it back up. Come on. Yes. There's such thing as tears of joy. And in fact, oftentimes, that's how the Lord cleanses and renews that joy back in us. And so if you if you feel that even now in your in your throat or in your chest right now, and you go, I just I, I feel that. Take a deep breath and just release. Let the Lord fill you with his joy right now. Father, this morning, Holy Spirit, giver of good things, giver of gladness, Lord, would you pour out your oil of gladness in this room on these people. God, on those that lifted up their hands, God, the weight, the burden that none of us were meant to carry, God, you placed, it was placed on you on the cross. And so, God, we give it back, and in its place, God, as we receive your promises, your goodness, the joy that comes from a true faith in you, God, I pray that it would well up with inside of us, inside of these people, inside of this church. God, the oil of gladness would pour down, and God, celebration would come out. Lord, we thank you for it. May a new song of the Spirit, a new song of joy be stirred up in our hearts this morning. All in your name, in Jesus' name, we believe it. Amen. So good. I needed that today. (laughs) It's awesome. Thank you for being with us this morning at Four Corners Church. If it's your first time to be with us today um, or ever, I'd love the opportunity to reach out to you and thank you for coming. There are some connection cards in each of the worship guides on the chairs. If you want to take a moment and fill one of those out, or if you've been here before but you've never filled one out, Um, If you'll do that, fill one out, drop it off in the drop box before you exit the auditorium. I'd love the chance just to thank you for being with us.
Uh, there are also some other ways you can connect with us. Uh, check marks on the bottom and then prayer requests on the back. Our team loves the opportunity to, to pray with you and believe alongside of you. Uh, and so let us know how we can um, support you in prayer this week. If you want to give to God through the local church, uh, you can do that three different ways here. You can do it online uh, by text or by uh, cash or check just in person. There are some envelopes. You can also drop that off in the back box before you exit. Thank you to those who give, uh, who keep this church uh, able to invest in both our kids and the people in here as well as the people in our community. We couldn't do without you, so thank you. Hey, would you guys stand up with me? I want to pray with you one more time. I'm going to give you a chance. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to win the competition against the room next door. I just want you to go ahead and get your stretch right here. All right, take a deep breath. We're going to cheer. We're going to laugh. We're going to clap. You guys ready for this? Now, we're going to win. Now, I just want you to know this is the preschool room, okay? And so they have defeated you so far this morning. They are, they are infants all the way up to uh, five years old, all right? You guys, you guys ready? Y'all ready to do this? It's just... I don't even have a joke. We're just going to cheer, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to clap, and then I'm going to pray for you. All right? You guys ready? I'm going to count to three. Cheer, laugh, clap. Here we go. I don't even care that I'm doing this. I don't care. All right. One, two, three. Here we go. All right. That's good. Enough laughing. All right, here we go. Hold out your hands like this. I want to pray for you. May the God of all joy and giver of all good things Fill you, your heart, your mind, your soul, and all your strength, all four corners of your life. May he fill you with the fullness of joy. May it be poured down from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And may everyone around you experience the presence of the Holy Spirit and his joy beginning today, tomorrow, and the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we love you guys. We'll see you all this next week.